Here it comes. It's here. You missed it. <laughs> I must say, you're all getting a little bit older. Looking good, though, but still getting older. And me putting on my glasses. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, that came back to bite me. I'll let you know that in a couple weeks, we'll have our financials posted uh, year end. Our new budget is done, and we did pretty good this year uh, financially as a church. And we've raised the budget $350,000 because we're going to build a mega church, the Oasis Crystal the Oasis Crystal Cathedral. It's going to be... No, I'm kidding. Um, so the budget went up a little bit just because now we have a realistic idea of what our expenses are here. Uh, but we're still going to do ministry. We still gave a lot of money away last year. And uh, we're going to see if we can give more away this year. Why not, right? I mean, it's only money. And uh, we'll try to bless ministries that way. You know, um, 2012, or, or, like the new year is always has the prospect of change to it, you know? Every, I mean, everybody, we just think about change. Like this year coming in 2012, uh, one young couple here in our church is going to experience a quite a big change. Is, is Jared here this morning? I saw him. Jared and Silo. Jared and Silo. Now, Jared and Silo has this young lady he's been dating, and he decided, well, you know, I might as well try to see if she wants to marry me. And she actually said yes. So Casey and Jared... They, they are engaged to be married, and, and so it, that's happening in 2012, and we're not quite sure when, but um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fun. They've asked me to do the ceremony and get a whoo-hoo. It's going to be good. <laughs> I have lots of surprises for them. I, you know, open the book, marriage. <laughs> Probably get egged, but that's okay. But, but you know, so, and, and it doesn't matter if you're... It doesn't matter if you're getting married or not this year. The new year always brings about this idea of change. That's why the gym is going to be packed until like the end of February. Because everybody wants to get in there. And then come March, it goes back to normal. And, and you, then you can get on the machines. You can do what you have to do. But, but no matter what it is, we, we all seem to commit to or think about or desire change in the new year. It's just kind of the way that the way that we're wired. And so we make these new year's resolutions, right? And some of those resolutions, they actually stick. And some of them not not so much. And even even if they they don't, I mean, you 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 go in going, well, you know what? I'll give this a shot, but it ain't ever going to work. I mean, you don't say that. You always go in guns a blazes. I am finally going to get her done this year. And, and, and for some reason, we think the year ends in February. I'm not quite sure why. But, but, then it, but some, some New Year's resolutions actually, actually stay. And, and we do make those changes. And so we've all wrestled with various degrees of success in that. Now, what I want to ask, does anybody here this morning have any big New Year's resolution that they have committed to for 2012? Vera? Mm-hmm. You're going to go to a water. Okay, there, there's one. We are going to hold you accountable. You got a whole church. Here it is. What's that? 
No soda for Vera. We got soda in the kitchen. No soda there. Anybody else? Alvin? Oh, stand-up comedy. Should we hold them to that? All right, we're going to hold you accountable to it. <laughs> Anybody else? Because now that you know that the whole church is going to hold you accountable, nobody's like, mm-mm, I ain't put my hand up. We'll be willing to do that for you and hold you accountable. All right, let me pray. Let's get into it. God, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for this new year, the, the prospect of change and the prospect of continuing even in the good things that we're already doing. And uh, Lord, I pray that your grace and mercy be upon each one of us as we venture, continue to venture in our journeys. And Lord, for all of the, uh, the prayer requests that have gone out this week, Lord, I pray that you would hear them. And I know you hear them, but we need to see you move, Lord. We want to see you show yourself strong. And so the, the words of my heart this morning, and I mean the words of my mouth this morning, and the meditation of my heart, Lord, I pray that it would be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, you know, this year for me, or this past year, around, especially during the Advent time, it was a, it was a very different feeling. It was, I guess the only way I can explain it was, it, it was a deeply spiritual time for me, uh, more so this year than, than any of the years in the past. And, you know, that says something because, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be really spiritual during the really spiritual holidays. I get that. But this year was just, it, it, was, it was very different. And, and I, guess, I guess maybe um, the sacredness of it all just really finally hit home for me. And I began to understand Christmas a little bit better. And I began to understand the idea of Advent. And I began to really see clearly that it's not just about December, but it's about so much more that we celebrate because Jesus didn't just come and then leave. He came and he stayed and he gave us a spirit and we continually walk in that authority. So there's, there's all of these good things. And I, and I felt the weight of that, the weight in, in a good way, but it was still just a very weighty time for me. And then when we went through the, the sermon series on, you know, just what do we, we did, we did hope, we did peace, we did joy, and we did love. I mean, those are really basic things, but they just... They took on new meaning for me this year. And so I really kind of, kind of wrestled on through that. And as I, as I was thinking all through that month of preaching and you know, leading up to it, you, began to, you begin to think as a pastor of, of the church and the direction that you want to see the church move in. And a few months ago, we talked about outside the walls and being more sustainable, that we're going to have sustainable change. We're going to look for ways that we can continually serve uh, and, and make change, you know, because where there's a church that fears and loves Jesus, there should be change in that community. And we talked about, you, you know, uh, a battle of the bands, and Mark and I are going to get together soon on that, and we're going to, you know, give him the, the green light, and he's going to run with that. And if you want to get involved, you know, you could talk to him. And, uh, and how, how can we serve Cheshire? We kind of went through that whole idea, and, and I'm still, I don't know yet. I mean, it's, it's a very affluent town, and the needs are kind of kept behind the door, but I'm sure there's needs in Cheshire. And so we're just going to keep praying and that God would expose those to us. Then as a pastor, you begin to think about the people. I think about you, and I pray for you guys. I pray for your, your spiritual well-being. I pray that God would... would uh, would reveal himself to you in deeper ways because a spiritually healthy and growing individual creates a spiritually healthy and growing community. 
and a spiritually healthy, growing community can change the world. And I, and I believe that 100%. Because a group of 12 guys with the power of Christ changed the world. There's no reason why we can't do it. And so all these things just kind of flooding around my head. And you know what? It's the way God and I roll, but he doesn't give me like all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I just have a lot of the questions right now. But he's put something in front of me that, that I can't ignore. And, and it's not just this fleeting idea. It's just something that he went, this is what I want you to think about, Dennis. And so I just have to assume that this is what he wants you to think about too. Because I get the paycheck to do what I do, Right? Ta-da. So, all right, let me, let's just go to the scripture. Let, let's, look at, let's look at this verse, and then I'm going to share with you. Oh, I forgot to talk about that. All right, we'll come back to that later. Not funny. All right, here we go. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11. These are the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those words, ladies and gentlemen, are the red letter words in the Bible. Those words were spoken from the mouth of Jesus himself. And what an invitation that is. Come to me. Jesus wants to, desires to give rest. He says, come to me. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. You don't have to interpret that very deeply. Come to me. If you need solutions for something, go to Jesus. If you're worn down, beat down, troubled, confused, frustrated, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Do you feel like you need a rest? Does anybody ever feel like they need a rest? Jesus, is, his invitation is, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, we've all been there at some point in our lives. It's, it's part of our human condition. Life has its ups and downs. We've just prayed this morning for two people that are, that are kind of ebbing and flowing in, in life right now. It's, it's, we've all been there. We've all experienced it. And my prayer, my prayer for all of you is that you have an amazingly amazing 2012. But some of us, in, including me, we might experience some setbacks. We might experience some, some valley time. You might experience some ebb time. I got a phone call on Monday this past week. A friend of mine I've known for 28 years, he told me that uh, his aunt had died Christmas Day and they were planning a funeral and if I would do the funeral. So we did the funeral on, on Friday evening. And then he called me on Wednesday evening and he said, hey, I'm on my way to hospice with my mom and uh, it doesn't look like she's going to live very long. And so I, I went to hospice on Wednesday night and I spent some time with the family there. And, uh, you know, I've known Lois for 28 years. She's an amazing lady. She's that lady that got dealt a bowl full of lemons and she just constantly churned out lemonade and she just had this, everybody loved her wherever she went. Um, and, you know, it's just, just seeing her like that. And so here's this family. I mean, this is life, man. It, it ebbs and it flows and they're in a big ebb right now. But, but Jesus, Jesus' invitation is come to me, come to me. 
come to me. Man, when, when life is kicking you, come to me. When you, when you don't think you have the answers anymore, come to me. Come to me. Uh, can I, can I, can I, I mean, I don't know if I can say it any clearer. Are you getting that? Jesus' invitation is come to me. But see, there's this caveat that always, that always gets me, and it gets other people too, because you got to realize you need some help. You got to realize that you don't have it together. You have to come to the place of understanding that you sometimes aren't going to be able to fix whatever it is that's going on in your, in your life. You have to realize you need some saving. And you can't save yourself. You have to come to the point in your life where you recognize who Jesus is. You have to come to the point in your life and recognize what Jesus is and what he's offering, that he is the truth, that he is the life, that he is the way, and he is the answer. And begin to move in that and begin to accept that and begin to, to, to model your life around that. But the invitation is for everyone, come to me, come to me. Open-ended, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And you know, it's not just about life stuff that he's talking about here. It's not just about the burdens of everyday living. It's also, it's also about the burden of religion. He's talking about the burdens of religion. You know, that man-made junk that just sucks the spirit out of spirituality. Religion. See, the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they made following God difficult at best. Because law after law, rule after rule, things that no one can possibly ever get right, they just heaped it on people. He would even say that, that the Pharisees made people twice the sons of hell. They offered them no help. And that whole thing, unfortunately, exposes itself today. Religion exposes, religiosity, I should say, exposes itself today. I mean, have you ever tried to regulate your behavior so that you can live as a good person and gain the acceptance of God? Yeah, good luck. It doesn't work. Have you, have you ever tried to live the life that God has called you but instead of listening to him, you're listening to all these other people tell you how you should be living the life that God has called you to. And you begin to do it in your own strength and begin to do it in, in your own idea, in, in your own way. Yeah, good luck with that too. I would say that you're trying to live the purposes of God in your own strength and on your own terms. You're not really living the purposes of God at all. Are you allowing religion Interfere with your relationship with God. In those moments, Jesus says, come to me. And I'm going to give you rest. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. The yoke of Jesus. Learn from him. He's humble. He is gentle. Now, the idea of yoke here is not an egg. Uh, it's not the whole, you got the two big ox and the big yoke thing. This is not about you walking side by side with Jesus. There's a couple things going on here that we have to look at. First of all, in the first century, a rabbi, his teachings, his interpretation of the Torah and how it should be lived was called his yoke. 
And so how he explained it to his disciples, it was called his yoke. And then you have this idea that there was something called a human yoke. And if you were carrying something, if you were trying to drag something and it was too heavy, you would put this thing on your shoulders and it would help distribute the weight a little evenly and you would be able to carry something much heavier than you would normally have or you'd be able to pull something that was much heavier. And so there's these two ideas that Jesus is bringing together that his teaching, the way that he does it, the way that he's interpreting the scriptures is actually going to help you carry the load that life puts on you. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus is offering something new, a new teaching, a new way to do life. When life seems way too heavy, when you just can't carry it, when you don't have the answers, there is an answer. That answer will not increase your load. That answer will not put more weight on your shoulders. In fact, it will make it easier to carry and you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your life. Deep, deep rest. Inside rest. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and humble. This is the invitation of the Savior of the world. Hello. The God of the universe has invited us to something new, to something different. But you have to understand that this is not about Jesus relaxing his call for us to live in righteousness. This is about Jesus Jesus giving us a new relationship with God and enabling us to actually live the righteousness that he has called us to. Because you can't get it done yourself. Jesus gives us what we need, enables us to live the righteousness of God in our lives. But some of you, some of you are going to have to get a hold of this verse. And some of you are going to have to start to deconstruct some things in your life. Some of you are going to have to let go some of your old ideas and your old thoughts. Some of you are going to have to change the way you think, change the way you process. Some of you are moral deists. It means living a moral life is more important to you than following Christ. You will do nothing but continually beat yourself up over that. And some of you, some of you have just been carrying that junk along and around for way too long. And it's time that you answer this invitation. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened. Because the Lord wants to give you rest. You see, this is, this is about the ability to see beyond the surface and to see deeply what God has called us to, to see. Jesus is redefining what's important. He's taking out of the world's hands, and he's putting it into his Father's hands. He's, he's taking out, the world says, no, you have to do this, you have to live this way, this is the correct way to do it. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. You come to me, and I'm going to show you how to do it. I am going to give you rest. Some of you got to let go of some stuff. And this is, this is, you know, if you're going to do something for the new year, this is something to do. This is something to get a hold of. 
This goes beyond situations. This goes beyond circumstances. This goes beyond your to-do list. This is, this is about bringing your life and your faith finally together, integrating them. And so there, there's nothing separate anymore. Faith and life meets. And you live. You live. Life abundant, you live. You know, the purposes of God sometimes are a very confusing idea, especially for our younger generation. We've all wrestled with the idea of purpose, right? I mean, what's God's purpose for me? What's, what, what, what am I supposed to do? I mean, it's, it, you know, what college should I go to? What career should I pick? What job should I pick? Should I get married? Should I stay single? Is he the one? Is she the one? Do, should, should, should I do this? Should I serve in this ministry? Should I not serve in this ministry? And it can go on and on and on and on. We try to figure out what are the purposes that God would have for us. Well, here's the thing that I became very much aware of during the Advent season. This is the thing that God showed me very clear during the Advent season. The purposes of God for his people are very simple. Are you ready? Here they are. The purposes of God for us are hope, peace, joy, and love. Period. Everything else can suffer. If we get a hold of the hope of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, and the love of God, understanding that you have been called to belong to him, Everything else comes in step. Those are the purpose of who we are as his people. If you walk in those things, everything else comes easy. We did a sermon once a long time ago. We said, just do something. And if you're walking in the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love of God, just do something. God will let you know if it's not the right thing. I mean, you know, don't. Drugs, but I mean, I mean, do something constructive. Yeah, because yeah, oh, Pastor, let's do drugs. No, and that wasn't it at all. I remember coming to the realization during one of our sermons uh, during Advent that um, Jesus followers, Christians, people who have their name written in the book of life, people who have been forgiven. Reconcile back to God. People, people who, who, who follow the teachings of Christ, they spend way too many days of their lives living hopeless, peaceless, joyless, and doubting that God loves them at all. And you know what? That's a sad, sad thing. Too many, and you know how I know that's true? Because I spend way too many days living my life hopeless, peaceless, joyless, and doubting that God loves me. And I'm sure I'm not alone. And so as we move into 2012, I believe the Lord has called us to begin to wrestle with those four things. Begin to, begin to grow in, in, in those things. And I, and I think we only have a year to do it, right? Because the world's ending this year. Um, you know, though, though I'm thinking, I'm thinking finally, 
December, what's December 21st, right? That the year's supposed to end. So I'm thinking finally December 1st, I'm getting the Lexus with the bow. (laughs) And if the world ends, they can repo it. I don't care. You know, at least I'll have it for a while. (laughs) Regardless of when the world's going to end. We need to focus in 2012 on the hope of the Lord. Peace of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. And the love of God. Let those things become the foundation of our faith. Let those things become the foundation of our journey with Christ. And, and like I said at the beginning, man, I don't, I don't know what that kind of looks like. I don't have all the answers. The Lord has not given me the, the hope, peace, joy, love 2012 campaign. I, got, and I mean, that's not, like I said, that's not the way he and I roll. And if he ever gave me that and I used those words, I would suggest you firing me at that point and finding somebody else. That was a joke. Don't fire me. Um, You know, I haven't written the book yet on the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of God and the seven easy steps to get there. So I don't know. I don't know what what it all means. I don't know what it all looks like. I I don't have it all kind of uh, worked out. but, But I know that... He is calling us not only to understand better what those things are, but he's calling us to actually live those things. I mean, how could you give away something that you scarcely possess yourself? How can you share the hope of God when your hope is? How can you share the love of God when you doubt that he even loves you? How can you share the joy of the Lord when there's no joy in your life? How can you share the peace of God when you just are just churning inside? And so I believe God is calling us this next year to move in this direction. And like I said, uh, we're going to see what God has to do. You know, I don't think we're going to talk about love, joy, peace, and hope every sermon series, every sermon, because I wouldn't even, I'd stop coming too. So, um, but I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I do know, that, that we're going to celebrate communion this morning. And I love the, I love the fact that this year um, we get to celebrate communion on the first day of the year. Because this table represents, I mean, this is the hope of God right here. This table represents the joy of the Lord. This table represents the peace of God, that we've been reconciled. Do you get that? You've been reconciled back to your Father. This table represents the love of God that you Jesus follower, Christian, you belong. And so we're gonna I'm gonna I love the way the message translates this verse. I'm gonna read it to you. I know the message is a heretical book, but I like heresy every once in a while. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? I mean, can't you get your mind around that? That's what, that's what Jesus is inviting us to. That's what this table represents here. And so... I'm going to ask Andrew to come on up, and he's going to tickle the ivories for us as we take communion. And, and, but, but before you come up, just don't, just don't rush up.
and, and, and grab the cup and grab the bread. I, I, want you to, I want you to just kind of read that, man. Let that soak in a little bit. Try to try, ask God to help you understand what that means. That you would know freedom of joy and freedom of hope, freedom of peace, freedom of love. So just, just take some time and relax. Think about it. And when you're ready, you can come take communion. And, and as always, we will we'll take it together. And maybe we'll just spend a little quiet time before the Lord.